So good morning, everyone. I'm uh, Pastor Jonathan. It's good to be with you, beloved people of God. We're in a series called Wandering from Wisdom. And last week, Pastor John, he held a piece of bread in his hand, and he reminded us of God's provision and how God provided manna, water for his people as they walked through the wilderness. God provides for us now, and God will provide for us in the future. And therefore, we have to trust God and his care and provision in our lives. Today, we're going to examine Moses and some advice that was given to him. And what was that advice? Moses, you can't do it all. In 1965, the Beatles released a song titled, Help. Rolling Stones ranked that song number 29 out of 500 of the best songs of all times. It's been covered over 30 times. Writer Ian McDonald describes the song as the first crack at the protective shell that John Lennon put around himself when his emotions started becoming just so, just so powerful with the rise, the Beatles, of their fame. Lennon wrote the lyrics of the song to express his stress with that quick success. And John Lennon said at the time, he said, I was fat, I was depressed, and this whole Beatles thing was just beyond comprehension. And he said, subconsciously, I was crying out for help. Check out this craziness that they've surrounded him in this video. Not just anybody. You know, I need someone. Sing it, right? And I was younger, so much younger than today. Never needed anybody's help in any way. But now these days are gone and I'm not so self-assured. Now I finally changed my mind and opened up the door. What does he say? Help me if you can, I'm feeling down. And I do appreciate you being round. Is that just craziness? That fame? John Lennon just petitioning help. And sometimes in life, that is our cry. Help. But unfortunately, our go-to is putting on a quiet desperation mask. And not let anyone know that we are struggling. We choose to remain trapped in our own protective shell. But the reality is there's no protection. We come to the conclusion that we don't need anyone's help. If you believe that, I'm here to tell you this morning that you're crazy. You're crazy. That's the way of the world. The world prizes that strong individualism. But that is not what God values. You can't do life alone. We are better together. We are better with a brother, with a sister. And we can learn a lot from Moses this morning. Think about his life. 
and all the amazing supernatural things that he did with the power of God to assist him. And sometimes he did these powerful things alone. However, most of the time, his brother Aaron was by his side. Think about the incredible things Moses did. He proclaimed to Pharaoh, let my people go. He announced the plagues. And then the people of God escaped from Egypt. He lifted up his staff in his hand. The waters of the Red Sea parted. The people walked on dry ground. And he led them into the wilderness. And they wandered. We read the scriptures and we sense in that wilderness journey that the honeymoon was over with the people. The complaints started to surface. We're hungry. We're tired of camping. We want to go back to Egypt. But then more miracles came. Water from the rock. Manna from heaven. And we get to the point where the Israelites, they start going into foreign lands and they find themselves unprepared for battle. And they're attacked by the Amalekites. And the struggle goes back and forth. Why? Let's look at it in the scriptures here. Exodus 17, 10 through 13. It says, so Joshua fought fought the Amalekites as Moses ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Success came when Moses had help. Can you imagine in your mind's eye these guys helping Moses? They grab a stone for him to sit on. And Moses is probably grunting. I don't know if you've held your hands up for a long period of time, your arms up. But they're coming alongside of him. Each of them have an arm. And the people see that. And the inspiration happens in the supernatural, uh, supernatural power of God enters into the folks and they win that war. Have you been there? Who has helped you hold up your hands when you've been exhausted by life? With the help from others comes victory over battles. Rather than just he, Moses, it turns into we, Aaron, her, and Moses. And God designed us as individuals and as a church to rely upon relationship in order for us to reach our full potential. To help in the struggles and the trials of the journey of life. Aaron and her are a model of what the church is all about, my friends. The fact is, God's call for Anderson Hills is way bigger than than what any of us could even begin to accomplish on our own. And that's awesome. It's bigger than the staff and the pastors can accomplish. And I'm so proud of being a part of an incredible staff here at Anderson Hills. It's the most purposeful ministry that I've ever experienced in my almost 30 years of ministry as a pastor. This year we're bringing Vacation Bible School back to the Anderson campus for the first time in a couple years, and I am so excited about VBS. 
It's an important part of the growing uh, ministry, our growing children's ministry, because it's a place where kids can get attached to Jesus Christ for the very first time and come to grow in their faith. And our church can come together to serve VBS this week. We've already had a strong VBS at Salem, and now we've got over 130 kids signed up for VBS here this week. Praise God. And next year, I have the faith to believe that God will double that. Would you pray with me that God would double that? That God would do that? So we're in this planning meeting uh, last week, and I learned two, two things that just made my my heart a little sad. First, I learned that we have to cap our VBS at 150 because that's all the space and supplies we have for the year. And here's the problem. Kids love to invite their friends to VBS and we love to encourage them to do just that. It's making disciples at early age and it's our calling from God. But this year, we're not really gonna be able to challenge them to invite their friends because we hit our capacity. Church, hear me clearly. This won't happen again. This will not happen again. Because there's a whole lot of kids around here who need to know about Jesus Christ. And I believe that God's going to draw these kids to this church with that attraction of God. So we're not going to be okay with limiting attendance this year. This year is just step one. Next year, we need to go all out. And Lauren has some awesome ideas for volunteers of all ages to start planning in September so that we would hear more about what God's going to do next year. The second thing I heard is that we're having challenges getting enough children's ministries volunteers on Sunday morning. And we're concerned about uh, not being able to support growth there. I knew we were having challenges there, but I'm really passionate about being able to support growth after VBS. So I pray that if God is just tapping you on the shoulder to volunteer and help out in our children's ministry, get up, move, say yes to help our kids. Send an email to kids at andersonhills.org. Well, back to Moses. He had other problems than just one battle. He was also judge of all the people of Israel, which was a massive job. Let's, let's peek into the scripture here. Exodus 18, 13 through 14, it says, The next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning till evening. And when his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this you are doing for the people? Why do you do it alone? Why... Do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses' talk with Jethro was a lot like, uh, like the way we tell stories to our mentors. We tell them first the exciting things that we are doing, but the real truth eventually comes out. Jethro got the real exciting news about the parting of the Red Sea, about the wandering in the wilderness, and about God's providing and care. But then Moses begins to share what his life is all about. Moses was not managing his people well. Moses was drowning in his own role as a leader of the Israelites. He had this blind spot in his life. 
How many of you like to make to-do lists? How many of you are so intense about it? Did you actually write things down on your list that you've already done just to make yourself feel good so that you could just check them off? So let me ask you this. What is on your, your stop doing list? What is on your stop doing list? We all have to-do lists, but a few of us have to, have to have the discipline to stop doing certain things. And most of us lead busy but undisciplined lives. I've heard it said, that if you say yes to something, you should probably say no to something as well. So Moses describes what's going on. Exodus 18, 15 through 16, Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will, whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me. I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. This is an important job. Moses was doing a lot of good things. But just like the Beatles, just like John Lennon, he needs help. The world teaches us that we can pull ourselves by our, up by our own bootstraps versus relying on others. While individual effort is essential, God didn't create us to go it alone all the time. We need others in our lives. And we're arrogant if we don't understand that. I think Moses got a lot of emotional strokes from being in his role. He was powerful, he was necessary, and he was important. We all have that need to be needed. But friends, there are graveyards full of indispensable people. And the world carries on without them. Sometimes we overwork because we love being that go-to person. And it fuels something inside of us. And sometimes we're on a performance treadmill because we're still trying to find that affirmation that we never got maybe from our parents or our coworkers or from our friends. If anybody had accomplished something, it's Moses. He led the people out of Egypt through the Red Sea. He watched his enemies be destroyed without a fight. Yet he was still finding that identity in his work. Let's look at Exodus 18, 17 through 18. Moses' father-in-law replied, what are you doing? Is what you are doing is not good. You and the people who come to you, you only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it. These are the words we don't want to hear. You can't do it alone. This means I need others and I need you and we need each other. This means, this means I'm needy and I don't like that. <laughs> we, want us, we, want you, we want people to think that we have everything together. But folks, we don't at times. You don't. We need each other. I once saw... On TV, it was probably a National Geographic uh, episode. There was this encounter between this, this young elk and a group of coyotes. This elk was about 50 yards ahead of the one coyote, and he was running for his life. And there were three more coyotes trying to circle around in front of the elk. And I was pretty sure it wasn't going to end particularly well for this elk. But then... This young elk, he bellowed when he got on top of this hill, and he stopped. Seconds later, a much larger, full-grown 
elk stepped to his side. And within a couple seconds, a few hundred elks appeared. And the coyotes, they immediately, they turned and hightailed it in full retreat. This is a familiar plan of attack by the enemy, Satan, that he uses over us. He tries to isolate us so that he can take us out. Unfortunately, this tactic often works. Wander out there on your own. And you're likely to be history. Especially, mark this, when you're struggling with things. It's important to stay connected to the church, to family, and to supportive friends. There really is safety in numbers. We have to be constantly on guard for the enemy trying to surround us when we're in isolation. 1 Peter 5.8 says this, Be alert and sober of mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We need to run to the church. We need to run to family and friends. Reach out to someone for help. Never try to go it alone. When we stand together, we do put the enemy on full retreat. And you know, you know what? We will not be devoured. We'll remain in wholeness and we'll exist at a very high level of living. And you have to remember that your value comes from the fact that you are a beloved child of God. I don't care what you accomplish here on earth. You'll never have any higher status than that, my friends. Beloved child of God. You're just as valuable to God today as you were the day you were born. That's the way your life really matters. But you know, you matter to God so profoundly, my friends. And hear that today and insert it into yourself, into the fabric of your being. That belovedness also is lived out into community, into community together. So what advice does Jethro give? Exodus 18, 19 through 23, he says, Listen to me now. I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instruction. Show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from, from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times. But have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this, and God so commands, you will be able to stand the, stand the strain. And all these people will go home satisfied. You see, Moses was wearing out both himself and the people. And they had to wait long hours. It's like when you call customer service and, and they're experiencing a high uh, call volume. Moses was doing the same thing. These people were standing around all day waiting for his help. Moses has to get back to his original calling. He's chosen, he's loved, he's known by God. 
And Moses still had a lot to do, and getting help didn't eliminate his role, my friends. It empowered him to do what he was called to do. God gave Moses that law, and God used Jethro to help Moses understand how to apply that law to the daily operations of the nation. The instructions, they're coming from God and they're going through Moses and into trustworthy leaders to the people. And Jethro helped Moses set up the beginning of that legal system in Israel. Let's look at Exodus 18, 24 through 26. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. He chose capable men from all Israel and made them leaders of the people, officials over thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided for themselves. Moses listens to his father-in-law. Moses was a wise man. He lived out the advice that was given to him. And Jethro's advice was really simple. And why was Moses so blind to the obvious, that truth that Jethro pointed out? I don't know, other than the fact that the story gets repeated countless times throughout history with leaders, countless times in the church, countless times I know in my own life. I've had some really bad experiences in isolation. I've been devoured several times. We have to get filled up with the ministry of others. Or our egos will just expand more and more. The story of Moses shows us that he was open to the voice of wisdom. And that he embraced that wise counsel. So how do we embrace wise counsel in our lives? First of all, you have to be teachable. Instead of responding to Jethro's advice, Oh, I'm Moses. Didn't you hear about the Red Sea parting? I could do it all. No, Moses took his father-in-law's wisdom on board. You see, leaders who are insecure or too sensitive will often struggle to receive advice or instruction. Some will even be offended as they see it maybe as belittling or above themselves or below themselves. People who take too personally risk means blessing of mentorship. Folks, be teachable. Be soft in what you can absorb and experience from others. Number two, be a listener. It's one thing to listen, but it, it's entirely different to heed the advice of, that we hear from good people, wise people. We have more good information flying at us than any other people in history. And yet, sometimes it falls on deaf ears. We get overwhelmed with the amount of of great info that we can't seem to apply to our lives. So we become experienced as, as the smile and nod type of people and move on to the next piece of info that we won't apply or the next book we won't read or the next diet plan that we blow off. We have to heed and listen with a commitment to change. Moses not only listened to Jethro, but he applied his counsel to the situation and changed the way he managed the way he was leading. It's not about how many, how many sermons we hear preached or how many counseling sessions that we experience. It's what we do with what we hear. You see, the fruit of wisdom comes from living that out. We need to have a spirit 
of a listener and then a doer. Lastly, we need to be a prayer. Jethro's advice pointed Moses to God, not away from him. Similarly, we, have to, we, we, we should have that mentorship from God and listen as we pray. And that mentorship should propel us toward a greater dependence on God for our lives. Who's your Jethro? Who's your Jethro? Be sure to thank that person this week. Write a note or make a phone call. And if you don't have a Jethro, find a Jethro. Be humble enough to ask someone to speak into your life, to speak ministry into yourself, and give them permission to do so. Who are you being? A Jethro too. Keep your eyes open for people who are open to guidance and offer it if they're willing to accept that guidance. I'm in a band of brothers. Mark Putman, Kevin Connors, Carrie Wood. Four dudes. Every Wednesday, 8.30, we get together. We share our souls. We share our struggles and our successes. Sometimes we share our sin. We pray for each other. We speak about how the scriptures are speaking into our lives and how we're living that out. Get into a band, a band of women or men that you can experience ministry from and it'll transform your life. Do you need help? Do you need help today? Know that the church, the body of Christ, is there for you in a powerful way. And know you can't do it alone, my friends. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the holy ministry of each other. We are so better together, God. I pray for the men here. It seems like dudes want to be like desperados and live in isolation. God, I pray and I speak to them today and pray to you that, that these guys here, hearing my voice, would get help and know they can't do life alone. I pray that you would minister to each person here as they gain wisdom and heed the advice and experience the wholeness and a high level of, li of living being connected to one another. And so, dear Lord, may we most importantly heed the wisdom that comes from your Holy Spirit and from the scriptures. Thank you for Moses. Thank you for Jethro. We thank you for the testimony of your holy scriptures. Speak to us, minister to us, through the body of Christ we pray. And all God's people said, amen.